0: So this morning, let's lift our hearts, our eyes to the Lord, the author, the finisher of our faith, the faithful one, as we sang, the faithful one. Even when we are faithless, unfaithful, he's still faithful because he cannot deny himself. Oh, Father, we just thank you that you are not like the other gods. They're all unfaithful. They're all selfish. They're all self-centered. They have little power. But they use that power to take men into captivity. You are God of God and Lord of Lords. And all power and authority is with you. And you use your power and authority to set us free. Even now, Lord, you worship. Look into the word. Your word has the power to heal your people. The word of God says it works in those who believe. I pray, Father, your word has never lost its power. Men may have lost their power. The spirit of God must have might have left Saul and Samson. But the spirit of God has never lost its power. Men have forsaken God. God has never forsaken man. So today, Father, I pray, as we listen to the word, the power of God will be released into everyone who hears and believes, for the word still heals, the word still delivers, the word still saves us. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. We'll go back to Judges in chapter 6 we were looking at mr gideon and we saw him putting the fleece out we look read again from 36 to 40 so gideon said to said to god If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And so it was when he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together. he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me speak just once more. Let me test. I pray just once more with fleece, with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but all all the ground, let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. We saw yesterday, we were looking at guidance from God. Okay. Uh, we know, ultimately, you have to do the will of God. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, it is the one who does. The will of God. We know about David. David fulfilled God's will in his lifetime, in his generation. He served his generation according to the will of God. Okay, everybody is serving everybody, especially during pandemic times. Most people are serving themselves in isolation, and some are serving others. But is it according to the will of God is the question. Okay. <clears throat> so, the, we saw the world and its desires are passing away, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So, we never discount the importance of, um, importance of doing the will of God. One, it gives you the entrance into heaven. Second, it gives you a crown in heaven. Okay. So, don't take it. But to do the will of God, we need guidance. And that's the issue with Gideon's fleece. People put fleeces before God. The fleece before God is was not for guidance. Lord lot of Christian lives, homes, churches, ministries have been shipwrecked because they put a fleece before God for guidance. Fleece, Gideon is not putting for guidance. It is for confirmation. It is for confirmation. You don't put a fleece before God for guidance because the fleece is a sign. There's another fellow who comes with lying signs and wonders. Okay. So if you are naive, you can be fooled by a sign because he can come like the very angel of light. And he can answer according to the idol in your heart. So fleece is never for confirmation. For, sorry, for guidance. Fleece is for confirmation. That do not always. Okay, we have to we have to be very careful about it. So when it comes to fleece, remember, when it comes to guidance, first we said the simple big picture. Everybody knows thou shall and thou shall not. Okay? Do we obey the big picture? Before we, like, no, Abigail comes and tells Pastor Vichai, I want to know trigonometry. She says, "Do you know addition? First, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Ninety-nine percent of humanity can go ahead with this four. Can live with this four. Most of us don't need more than this for the rest of our life. But those who are interested in math, they need to go further. So, in the same thing, no. I used to have this thing, no. Uh, when I was <laughs> there, is this library period?" And uh, they would never expect me to turn up at the library period, okay? So I'm in the library, and when they're checking out. These kids, my students, okay, are picking books from the library. And they're all picking these big, big fat words, okay? And I look at them, what are you picking that for? You can't write two sentences without goofing up half of it. Hmm? You don't read your textbook, you know? Some of them were absolutely. I can still remember one tall, thin girl was. So she said, "Sir, it is to show others I read." <laughs> okay, show others I read. So that's the issue. The big picture. Do we know the big picture? Psalm one thirty-eight and verse two say something. For you have the last part. You have magnified your word above all your. God has magnified his word. And we we are more blessed than any prophet in the old covenant because most of them did not have written scripture with them. Okay, Second, they did not have what we have, the new covenant. And the revelation of the old covenant, the new covenant, and the additional 27 books of the new covenant. So we have 66 books with us. So the simple thing is that first thing, when it comes to the will of God, to the guidance of God, it comes from the word of God comes from the word of God. See, because they did not have the written word of God, God often had to come and speak to them in various ways. Hebrews um, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3 talks about it very, very clearly. No? Hebrews. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time, passed to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Okay. He's spoken to us by his son. He spoke through in dreams and visions, through prophets, like starting with Moses, the five books of Genesis. He spoke through various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Okay, and the Son, His Spirit, now we have the Word. And the Word of God is Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God in in a limited way, not in the complete way, limited way. So we have God speaking. So that's why Hebrews uh, 2 will say, if you drift away, if you drift away from this revelation, this revelation, therefore we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, in the old covenant it was spoken through angels, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Okay, so God spoke through his son and then the apostles spoke to us and God is saying, this is my word. This is my word. I mean, I mean, always I will tell young believers, even if you don't read the Old Testament in the beginning, it's fine. Just read the New Covenant. Read the Gospels. Read the New Covenant. Know your New Covenant and then go to the Old, Old Testament. It is, it is Actually, that's the way you should read. You should never start with the law. If you are saved, you should start with grace. If you are not saved, go to the law. It will kick you to the, to the New Covenant. But if you are saved, okay, if you are saved, Go to the new covenant, read the gospels, read the new covenant. Then if you go to the old covenant, it will make start making sense. Okay? But the whole thing is that God guides us through his word. Okay, this is the word. And the whole idea is we want to know the nitty gritties of life. If you don't read the big picture, why should God speak to me? Why should like I was telling, no, like no uh, if you are a subject teacher, if you are a subject like Pastor Vijay, if Abigail doesn't do her multiplication, comes and tells Dad, I want to know trigonometry, he knows it is fake. You are not really interested in math. You haven't done the basics which I have told you. You are not working on that. You want to know the advanced math. In the same way, we are not interested in the word of God. We want revelations. God says, you are not interested. The whole issue is that if we do not know the big picture, we are missing out on the will of God. And Hebrews 12.3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How shall we escape? If to them it was spoken through angels, and to us it is spoken to us by the Son. And yet there's no comparison, spoken by an angel and spoken to us by the Son of God. And when they disobeyed what was spoken to them through an angel or a prophet, they received a just recompense. How much more? How much more to us who is spoken by God? So, Always say, you know, make it a habit, make it a discipline to read and to listen to the word of God being preached. Otherwise, we will not escape. escape. Don't neglect. So first, guidance comes from the word of God. Second, we saw it comes from the spirit of God. We saw that yesterday, the Spirit of God leads us, as many as so are led by the Spirit of God. And that's where our problem comes. Our problem is not with the Word of God, because without the Spirit you can twist the Word to say whatever you want. You can make the Word say whatever you want. But you cannot twist the Holy Spirit. You cannot twist the Holy Spirit. Okay, you cannot twist the Holy Spirit. And everybody from the first generation who came out of Egypt to Dimas, they all had the problem with the Holy Spirit. And God was saying that, you resist my spirit in the wilderness. It was with the Spirit they had. See, they liked the water they drank. They liked, they ate the manna, they were healthy. I mean, they had no issues with most of the things that was happening, but they refused to be led by the Spirit. Okay, so the Spirit leads us. Third, we looked that one of the attributes of the kingdom of God is peace. Now, righteousness you cannot count. Joy, is a much more, joy of the kingdom is a much more, what you call, advanced thing. To be joyful in all situations because of emotions and flesh, we struggle. But peace is something different. Peace is something that can be measured. Absolutely. Either you have it or you don't have it, either you have peace or you don't have peace and you, it's, its situation is irrelevant. the situation is irrelevant that's what God is talking about. You are led by peace, okay be anxious for nothing, okay be anxious for nothing, and with supplication, all prayer, make all your requests known honor unto God, and the peace of God will guard your heart. How do you know the peace of God is guarding your heart because you are facing trials but you're not anxious you're not anxious. You're looking at everything seems to be closed, but you are not anxious because you have followed the word of God that the leading of the Holy Spirit and the peace of God guards your heart. If you look outside, nothing seems to be changing. Everything seems to be the same. That's what I said. Peace is the first marker. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. Okay? So the secret of life, of divine life, of fulfilled life, is obeying God's will. Obeying God's will. Okay? And obedience to God's will. The key to knowing God's will is, will we obey Him? Is the key. Whatever we know. Okay? Abigail doesn't know much. For her age, she knows much. But Abigail doesn't know much. But what she knows. What she knows. God is not going to demand from Abigail the obedience that he demands from her father because he knows much. She knows little. So the question is not how much you know. Whether you obey what you know. What you know. It's a simple question. okay? Because... God is not necessarily going to reveal his will to people who are not necessarily going to obey. (laughs) A lot of people have this issue. God doesn't reveal his will. God reveals. But the issue is not, Lord, it's not, Lord. Lord, do I have a disobedient heart? Believers don't have unbelieving hearts. They have a believing heart but very disobedient. Let me simply ask a question. Okay, don't be very religious and very um, spiritual. How many of you believe that God heals? Well, everybody's religious. There are a lot of people who say, I don't believe God heals. But they go to the doctor because they believe the doctor heals. If you don't believe in healing, will you go to your doctor? Okay? If you don't believe in healing, you don't go to a doctor so you believe in healing but you don't actually believe that god heals that's our issue okay okay we don't we believe money can take care of a lot of things that's why you pursue money but we don't believe god can take care of all things that's why we don't pursue god okay so we have to we have to use the x-ray to get the real picture of our heart it is not that we don't believe all things are possible. We believe if we have money, all things are possible. <laughs> we have money, all things are possible. So we have this verse, pursuit of money. We don't believe with God all things are possible. Therefore, we don't pursue. And it is not that we don't believe God with God all things are possible. Too, if we are a little more higher, but we know it clashes with our will. In Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, this is cloud of witnesses. Okay, Cloud of witnesses. We saw in Levin, Gideon is one of those. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What are these witnesses showing? That God leads us. God guides us. God speaks to us. From Abel onwards. That is why the first words always used is by faith. And faith cannot come without hear. If Abel heard, I can hear. If Enoch heard, you can hear. If Noah heard, we can hear. If Abraham heard, and we see their beginning, and we see their end, and we say, wow, they heard. Without knowing anything, without knowing where he was going, Abraham obeyed, and we saw how he finished. That is why these stories are put over there, all these stories. These people were guided, they were led, and they finished well. Almost all of them finished well. They were successful. Wherever faith was brought in, they were successful. They were victorious. But verse 2 will say, above all. Okay, what do we look at? Unto Jesus. Though we have all these witnesses, we learn from all. That's why we are studying Gideon. Why are we studying Gideon, like I said? Because in Gideon, we see an entire lesson about how God deals with people who struggle with faith. With weak people. Fearful. And we are all. We were all. We began. as Nobody began. The only fellow who began strong and goofed up was Samson. He should have begun fearful. The problem with Samson was, Samson was never afraid, he was never fearful. Never fearful. And he goofed up big time. Big time. All the others who finished well, if you look at them, they were all fearful. Fearful. So please be very careful, you're not so confident. It doesn't matter how well you study and how well you prosper. We do not be confident. You can be confident and be successful in the world to a level. But if you are confident and successful and start putting strength in your confidence, you will be destroyed in the kingdom of God. The devil will come after you. Come after you. Nothing will work for you ultimately. So be very, very careful. That's why God in his mercy picks up weak people. God in his mercy picks up weak people. Okay, in his mercy. He doesn't pick strong people because they will be destroyed. They will be destroyed. Above all, we look unto Jesus. So if you look at verse 1 and 2, we need to get rid of weights and get rid of sins. Okay? Doubt is a weight. Unbelief is a sin. These are not the same. Okay? Doubt is a weight. Unbelief is a sin. I don't believe Gideon is, um, it has this unbelief. God cannot do that. He doubts himself can you really deliver Israel through my hand? So doubt is a weight. Okay? Doubt is a weight. There are a lot of doubts. These are, these are weights. And God says we have to get rid of every weight. Every weight. And sin which easily ensnares us. Sin can easily, very easily ensnare. I mean, it is a natural propensity of man to fall into sin. It's natural. That comes to us naturally comes to us naturally. And you don't need to be have a PhD in rocket science to know that. It comes to all of us naturally. Absolutely naturally it comes to us. That's why. That's why it it, it doesn't say hardly. It says easily. Very easily. Okay. All the young people sitting over here, what comes to you easily? To listen or to be distracted? Distracted. That comes easily. I mean You don't have to fast and pray to be distracted. It comes naturally. Ask any child, any young person sitting here, do you fast and pray to watch movies? You fast and pray to get an opportunity to watch movies? Anything of the flesh, you see, it is so easy. It comes so easily come so easily. And we need to identify these things. We need to understand (laughs) actually, God's kingdom is short-staffed. Because he can find very few people who are surrendered to his will. Very few people who are surrendered, obedient to his will. Not only surrendered, but joyfully surrendered to his will. We know about Jesus, he says. I delight, we'll come to that. You know what? A.W.T. also made this incredible statement. <clears throat> the man or woman or woman who is joyfully surrendered to Christ can't make a wrong choice. Any choice will be a right choice. A man or a woman who is joyfully surrendered to the will of God, cannot make a wrong choice. Because any choice they make will be a right choice. That's why Jesus never made a wrong choice. Because in Psalm 39, verse 7 and 8, which is what is quoted in Hebrews 10. 39, Psalm 39, verse 7 and 8. Oh, did I get it wrong again? It's my usual Okay. I have my concordance here with me. Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Okay. You look at that. You look at words, behold, I come in the scroll of the book or the volume of the book in the Bible, which is revealed. He says, it's written about me. It's written about all of us. If it's written about the head, it's written about the body too. It's not a cutting off of the head and the body separate. Okay, it comes together. So we have, he says, I delight to do your will. O my God, and your law is within my heart. The second part is a big picture. Meaning, Jesus has read the word. He has read the word. If your law is not within my heart, how do I do your will? He has read the word. I'm not saying that every one of us can memorize, though the young ones can memorize. But even if you have it memorized, you should read. And the Spirit of God will bring it to your remembrance. What you cannot do, he will do. But what you can do, don't expect him to do. Don't expect him to do. Okay, and what is the attitude there in words it? I delight to do your will. I delight. Not a grumpy face, not a long face. No, you don't have to be told. Like I've said this in uh what you call it in Malayalam. Okay. There are two sayings we have in Malayalam. Paranya Chayuga, Aranya Chayuga. Paranya Chayuga, you do only if you are told. You do because you know. You know. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples in John 15. I no longer call you servants. Who are servants? Who do what is told? Go there. Go to the towns. Two by two. Go preach. This is what you need to preach. Don't take a bag. Don't take a sandal. Just go. Speak your peace. If it comes back, let out. Just giving them orders. Go untie the cult. Go tell me, prepare a room. It's okay. All. But now he says... I call you friends. Because everything I received from the Father, I have revealed it to you. And when the Spirit comes, he will reveal Mother. Now you don't have to be told. You don't have to be told. You know me. I knew the Father, therefore, I didn't have to be told. I didn't want it. To. I knew what the Father's will was. I did because I knew. I knew. Now, like I said, there is the written and there is the unwritten. There is what Jesus says and there is his expectation. Expectation. What did uh, Jesus want to do? Heal everybody. What was his expectation? They would come back and thank God. Okay? Only one came back. So he was made whole. So when you know the will of God, it is not only what is written. It is also what is not written this also. That's what. Behold, I have come to do your will. Unwritten, I delight to do your will. That's what Isaiah says. If you're willing and obedient, you can be obedient without being willing. Most government servants are obedient without being willing. That's why they call government servants. They're not called government friends. They're not called friends of the government. they call government servants because they will be only told what you'll be doing. Right? Okay. So that's what God is talking about. Okay. Please understand when we are talking about, and God is kind. He's merciful, but he's giving us time. But remember one statement I wrote today. Where did I write it today? Yeah. Yes, I wrote it. Last statement I wrote. If you and I are going to heaven, Notice, note that time is very limited, yet time is of no essence. You getting the picture? If you and I are going to heaven, time is very limited. We know time is getting lesser and lesser, but yet time is of no essence. We are moving into eternity where time does not matter. On the other hand, if you are going to hell, you can afford to be late. You don't have to rush there. You need to be very sure where you are going because that will change your perspective. Okay. So here he says, I delight to do your will. And God is always there to guide his children. The only question is, will we surrender to his guidance? Okay. In the Old Testament, we had the cloud and the fire. Okay. Now if you look at the cloud and the fire, I can see the cloud. I can see the fire. It is about the eye. I see and I follow. Then you have the trumpets, the two silver trumpets. I hear. I hear. And then you have the Urim and the Thummim. It is much more complicated. Okay? So, all of heavens declares his glory. Okay? There is a guidance by which we see. Which we see. We see. Okay? And you don't, you don't have to, I, I, I simply, feel sorry for idol worshippers. Simply feel sorry for idol worshippers. Because idols don't speak. Idols don't hear. And you make idols, as Romans 1 says, of images of animals, creepy crawly things. There's something wrong over there. Simply something wrong. You can have a great theology behind it, but there's something fundamentally foolish about it. You can see, you can see, and yet you are blind. Then you can hear, you talk to this idol, it never talks back, it never talks back. Yet God speaks, yet God speaks. Okay. And if you look at it, we invest so much time and energy into things that never speak back to us. Okay. My physics text never talked back to me. Never talk. I'm not saying you shouldn't study. I'm not saying you shouldn't study. Don't get me wrong, because there's one Gunda in our midst will take it. After an entire sermon, I said, what did you understand today? He said, I don't have to study. (laughs) Because you will go by whatever idol is in your heart. That is not what I meant. Okay? That is not what I meant. Okay? I'm not, that's not what I meant. But ultimately, we are looking at the Word of God. Can we allow God to lead us? That's why when they were ready to move into the promised land. Okay? Now, the law of Moses is given. That is for the eye and the ear. Or, and the heart. The eye, the ear, the heart. The law of Moses. Because summary punishment was there for the eye. Okay, like I said, one caning is worth ten lectures. Okay, so when Phineas came and put the spear through, they understood the law very well. Practical demonstration. Okay, practical. When Miriam is standing there like an outcast for seven days, they understood what it is to defile leadership. (laughs) Nothing to be told. Simple essence is standing there white. Mm -hmm. And not getting a tan too, standing in the sun. Okay. For once, nobody said, about Miriam, fair and lovely. <laughs> okay. So, in the new covenant, when we see, we have the Word of God, and we have the Spirit of God. Like I said, we have the person of God. The person of God. We have the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the person of God. And if you come to Ecclesiastic chapter 4 and verse 12, Though one may be overpowered by another, if you have only the word, you speak the word, he contradicts you with the word. Okay? Two can withstand him, but when you have the spirit. Okay? The reasons the apostles could stand everywhere and speak to anybody. See, when Peter and John stood there, the Sanhedrin had the word, they also had the word. But the Sanhedrin did not have the spirit. They had the spirit. So they were overpowered. And this... uh, these are unlearned men. But they were with Jesus. They don't understand this is not Jesus. This is the spirit of Jesus. The spirit is with them. But a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The third thing is the person of God. This is why we have to be very, very careful. That's what Paul, Paul is irrefutable. He's got the word of God. He's got the spirit of God. And he has become like God. Follow me as I follow Christ. He's become like God. The person, the gentle, kind Patient, compassionate, merciful, yet will not buckle to the left or to the right. He's become like the person of Jesus Christ. Okay. These three comes together that God cannot be broken. God cannot be cropped. This is, this is the power of a testimony. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Okay. When the Holy Spirit comes, you shall be my witnesses of the Word, of the Spirit, and the person. Then you shall be a light to the world. His life and Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives before me. Okay, Christ lives before me. We need to understand what does it mean, you know. And when you have a person like that as your model, he becomes your guide. He becomes your guide. Follow me. Look at him, uh, Philippians chapter 3. You know? What he says. Philippians 3. Verse seventeen brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. He's come to the third point for many walk of whom I have told he said, don't follow their pattern, don't follow their pattern, of whom I have told you often now tell you, even we are the enemies of the cross of christ he says. You have a pattern before you. These are friends of the cross. He says, I am friend of the cross. I have crucified myself to Christ. And there are enemies of the cross. They also preach. I also preach. They also have gifts and miracles in the ministry. We also have. But he says, the difference is the third thing. They don't have a life. They don't have a life. They don't have a life. The power of guidance. You know, If you have somebody like that in your life, if you somebody like that in your life, like Jesus called, and they left everything and followed. Left everything and followed. Okay? And people like Paul, Peter, all these great apostles, okay? You have somebody. It becomes a pattern. But you need to understand that is what God is calling us to be. Okay. Calling us to be so that the young ones who have come into the kingdom of God have a pattern to follow. A pattern to follow they need a pattern to follow because they cannot understand they cannot understand okay they cannot understand so many of the things which we teach them but if they have a living pattern before them you know they simply say you know what I want to be like that's how we why do everybody goes early in the morning even the midst of COVID? why is everybody coming to next generation Because I have something, a pattern. I want to be like Virat Kohli. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. It's a pattern. It's only connected with games. Okay. Why do young ladies keep changing outward form? Because they see movies. They see this thing. And they won't tell you. But you want to be like that. And after some time, they start looking like them. Thank God they don't appropriate their character. Because if they really knew these Bollywood, Hollywood characters... Other than in movies in real life, they would be so vain. Unbearable to be anywhere near close to them. Why do you follow? Because the thing is that everybody is following somebody. Even Jesus, when he came down to earth, followed his father. It is impossible not to follow somebody. Impossible not to follow somebody. Everybody is following somebody. You cannot say, I am a self-made man. There's nobody like that. Only God. Self-existent. When you say, I am a self-made man, you are saying you are God. So everybody is following somebody. And to the church, God says, you know what? For guidance, I have given you my word. I have given you my spirit. And I have given you the person that comes out of it. A living example before you. And it's God calling us to become living examples. But we can never, ever in all this understand the primacy of god's word, the primacy of god's word, okay, if you turn with me to second Peter, chapter one sixteen to nineteen. We did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitness of his majesty said we saw him, we were with him, we touched him, we talked with him, we ate with him, we walked with him, we know him. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He's talking about the transfiguration. We heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and morning star rises in your day. They said, though we had all these things, we have something else. KJ will say the sure word. Yeah. We have something more sure. What is that? We have the prophetic word. We have the written word. We have the written word. Okay? Meaning, Jyoti can say, the spirit told me, Dipika can say, the spirit told me, and can be totally contradictory. They will be confused. Okay? Confused. Okay? Or you can look at a person. You look at a person, you know, I want to be like that person. Let's look at a simple, sad example of what has happened. Everybody looked at it and said, you know what? We want to be like Ravi Okay? I mean, you listened, I mean, Why I don't believe a lot of the junk they talk about? You cannot be consistently consistent like him if you are not genuine. It's very difficult. You cannot fake like that. You cannot fake like that. Because we know who labor behind the pulpit. You cannot fake revelation. Cannot fake revelation. It is impossible to fake revelation. Either you receive it or you don't receive it. And you know that man received a lot of revelation. It was not eloquence alone. There are more eloquent people down in the world. But he had revelations. And, and then this thing happens after he is dead. And so many young people are depressed because they looked and they wanted to follow that person. So the spirit can be confused because another voice comes and speaks in the same voice. The person can fall before our eyes. But we have a sure word that is written, which is, which cannot change. So that is the first base on which we have to build. Lord, even if I have read wrong, like like I said, no. if you are not sure about this, I keep telling this to pastors, if you are not sure about the spirit, stick to the letter. On the end of the day, when I stand before God, I will say, Lord, I erred on the letter. Son, you were wrong, but Lord, I erred in the spirit. I stood on the letter. Next simple thing, I talk about it. Confusion about covering head. or no? One side says no need to cover. And the side needs to cover. When you are confused, what do you do? Just cover. That is the letter. <coughs> and when you reach heaven, God will say, Okay, you were wrong. You didn't have to cover. But I thank you. I, I appreciate you, daughter. Because you went by the letter. On the other hand, you did not cover. And when you reach there, that was the truth. You will say, I am so sorry I got it wrong. Okay? So whenever you are not sure, go by the letter. Sure word of prophecy. We have the word of God. We have the word of God. So it is built on the word of God. Okay? So you know what? Gideon is not asking for guidance. He's asking for confirmation. He's got a sure word of God. Go in this might. Deliver the Midianites. I am with you. I don't believe he's confusing that, he's confused that God can deliver Israel. He's more confused whether God can deliver Israel through his hand. Which all of us has. Every time we get a report when somebody says, I have been blessed by the preaching, so many got healed, so many came out of it, we are still surprised. Did you really mean that it happened through our preaching? Hmm? Honestly, every time we get confused. Are Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? No, it is true. It is not us. God has never, I have never saved anybody. I have never healed anybody. I have never delivered anybody. But God has. God has. And that is to what God is taking. You know what? Don't look at yourself. Don't look at yourself. Look at God. Why don't, why don't we lay hands upon the sick and pray? I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about you. Do you believe Mark 16? These signs shall follow apostles. It is written. What does it say? These signs shall follow those who, do you believe? In the name of Jesus of, in the name of Jesus you shall cast out demons. Yet nobody would dare to do it. Why? See, you believe scripture. You know why you don't do it? Because you're like Gideon. You don't think that God can use you. You don't believe that God can deliver Israel through your hand. That is our basic problem. Gideon's problem is our problem. That's why everybody calls us for prayer. Because you don't believe, you can pray and get healed. You can pray for somebody else and get healed. You can tell over somebody in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get out in Jesus' name. You don't believe. But you believe that person can. So Gideon's issue is not with the God of Israel. Gideon's issue is with Gideon. And that's our issue also. And Paul is facing that situation with the church. When he's writing the church in Philippi, he's saying, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. My God shall supply all... That's not the way to be written. Our God, our God shall supply all our need. But that's not the way he writes. He says, my God, you guys don't believe. You guys don't believe. You guys don't believe. You know, and we need to realize our major problem is we are not looking at Christ. We are always looking at our weaknesses and frailties without understanding. Our weaknesses and frailties are an advantage in the kingdom of God. Advantage in the kingdom. It's not a disadvantage. But if you focus on that and say, oh, woe me. I am nobody. I can do nothing. You know, then it doesn't work. So what Gideon faced is what we also face. That's what I pray. Every day I pray, Lord, let a million believers rise up all over this land. And believe, you know what, I shall not die. But live and declare the works of the Lord. And you know what, fearlessly stand in your own places because you are not allowed to socialize. Stand there and pray, it will not cross my lane. It will not cross my lane. We will, we will. And if I am afflicted, I will come through it. I will not die. And if somebody comes, I am not afraid to pray for them. Lay hands upon them and pray over them. I will pray. Because it's simply for those who believe. Simply, if you believe. Simple. He didn't put titles over there. He didn't put positions over there. He didn't put any of those things. These signs shall follow those who believe. Believe. That's what I write. To the kids, especially in India, from so many states, they write to me, Uncle, what do we do? Pastor, what do we do? They're saying, you have to take the vaccination. Otherwise, you cannot come to work. Now, what do you do? I cannot tell them to stand on my faith and quit your job. You cannot put that burden on somebody else. Like I walked when I was working with my resignation letter in my pocket, undated. You tell me to do something is against my conscience. Goodbye, I'm leaving. But you cannot walk like that, you cannot put something which you have, like I said, my conviction is not your conviction. We don't put burdens on people who are younger and weaker, which they cannot carry. So what do you need? You need to lead them to the word of God. And what does the word of God say? Is, Even if you take poison, it will not harm you. You are not taking it voluntarily, you are being forced to take it, forced to take it. Okay, you're forced to take it. So what do I tell them? If it comes to a point, ask God, it's not me first, first God, see God's face, listen to what he says, and if you have to take this vaccination, because all said and done, COVID vaccine is one of the vaccines which is not really been tested. Let's tell, you, every vaccine takes four or five years, six years before it comes into the market, approved. This has been because of the Panic created by the pandemic. This has come out too fast. It Only in the years to come, we will really understand the side effects of this vaccine. By then it will be too late. Like it happened. Oh, when I was growing up, everybody was buying aluminum dishes. Because it cooks fast. Very fast to cook an aluminum comp- compared to iron. Then 20 years later, they found uh, post-mortem cases with aluminum deposits in the brain. Where did it come from? From your cooking pot. So people quietly shifted from aluminum. So some people, teachers never understood. Some people when you knock on the head, you get a metallic ring. It was aluminum. It didn't happen with the old iron pots. Nobody had iron in their heads. But they had aluminum in their heads. So, a lot of things which we talk about, the side effects, we only get to know. What is God has said? God said, you walk in my will. You trust me. You believe me. And you know, you step out by faith. And you need faith, you need a promise. Exceedingly great promises. What do we, What does this promise do when we believe it? We partake of the divine name. Let me ask you this question. Jesus walked on earth for 33 and a half years. He was drinking Byssalary? He ate food that was cooked in pressure cooker? Did he ever fall in? You know why? He held on to the promises of God. These exceedingly precious promises have the power, through which the power of God comes, okay, have the power that we partake of the divine nature of God and escape the corruption that is in the world. (laughs) So we have to give people hope. And hope comes from the word of God. Faith comes from the word of God. And we have to shut away everything else. Everything else. Let the government say what it wants. They have to go by science. That's the spirit that rules now. And we are not discarding. a Third wave is over there. Don't panic. Don't panic when you hear this. Yet don't be presumptuous either. Don't test. You don't have to run. And go into these places when you are not called to. You don't have to test yourself. No, nothing will happen to me. No, don't do stupid stuff. Be safe. Be safe. It's a virulent virus. Be safe. But above all that, hold on to this. You know what? I have a promise. I have a promise. And the promise is that, you know what? If I lay hands upon the sick, I shall be saved. They shall be healed. If this is demonic, I can cast out the demon. Cast of the demon. And if it is poisonous, I will not die. <clears throat> I will not die. Let me tell you, I'm telling you from example, all these years in mission, all these years in mission, okay. and most of my mission was with poor people in very difficult places. You ate what they gave. You drank what they gave. You know what? <clears throat> Never, Ever in these twenty-five years during mission have I fallen ill. I have fallen ill. No. have 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 fallen ill. Fallen ill. We you, you, you kids can go and ask the sister who's there in LHL when we went as a team to Nepal, you know, she's got a serious issue in her stomach, you know, serious issue. That's why she was in the hospital and all the gastro. I mean she's got she cannot eat, she cannot eat most foods and all. But <clears throat> Couple of years back when we are going, we got down at Gorakhpur. we are going by road, we have to stop at a daba. And we stopped at a daba and went, all the things started saying, Sister is saying, I cannot hear, I cannot eat any of these things. I said, you are with me. I'm taking the whole of you. Do you believe there's an anointing that sir, you will not fall ill. You go ahead and eat. You know, after so many years, she ate chole and batura and everything, you know, the entire trip she never fell ill. Never fell ill. I said, you have to believe. You are on mission. We are not on vacation. We are not tourists. We are on mission. That's why I said, we are never tourists in this life. Even if you go on a vacation, it has to be God-ordained. Then it is mission. Then you are on vacation to rest your body, to renew your spirit, to come back and go back. We don't do anything outside the will of God. People don't. Why? Because there is protection there. There is protection there. There is power there. This is the will of God. When Jesus called his disciples onto the side to rest, it was not vacation. It was the will of God. It was the will of God. We don't make a random choice. By now, we should be very careful about the choices that we make. This morning, I was telling my wife, Honey, listen. One of the things which we need to learn when we are growing older is that we have limited time, limited energy, and limited resources. As we grow older, what happens? Be wise how you spend it. Even when you pray. Lord, of people will call you for prayer. But most of them are not doing their own job. They don't pray for themselves. They will never pray for somebody else. Therefore, you should be now, by now, wise to whose call to receive, whose call not to receive. Because why? We have only limited time, limited energy, and limited resources. That is wisdom. When we were young, we had plenty of time, plenty of energy. But now we are getting older. We have to be very careful how we use our resources and our energy and our time. Because 32,000 will come. On the day of battle, only 300 are left. Mm-hmm. You take this 32,000 and form 32 regiments and you start training them and buying uniforms for them and shoes for them and march them. On the day of battle, Everybody's is away. Everybody's run away. Everybody's run away. So God is teaching Gideon something. Gideon, you're at war. You don't need all these people. You don't need all these people. Don't waste your resources. Let everybody come into the kingdom of God. But at the end of the day, only those who by faith will survive. He who endures till the end. 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 No, so we need to look at those things. We look into the Word of God. We need to understand the principles of which the Kingdom of God works. And we don't get it. You know what? God loves you. But He will discard you. He will discard you. It does not mean He does not love you. He's just saying that I cannot use you. Why? When the Son of Man comes, He looks for faith. Why did he come to Gideon? When everybody was hiding in the hills and the caves, he was still in the plains, in the threshing floor, trying to save. He says, he's got a tiny bit of faith. Tiny bit of faith. So please understand this. God will not substitute his word for anyone. God does not lead the unsaved. He uses the unsaved. He does not lead the unsaved. So, first thing you need to understand is, be sure you are saved. God has never led an unsaved person. He leads the saved. Second, he does not lead the backslidden. So, first repent and come back. Okay? Remember, guidance for Gideon begins after he obeys. Cut down the altar, break it down, cut down the grove, make a proper altar, burn it, and after that, guidance begins. Once you have dealt with those issues in your life, you put a fleece before, for God for confirmation, He doesn't get upset. He doesn't get mad at you. But when you don't disobey the primary things which He has told and put a fleece, you know, the devil will come immediately to answer you. Because there is a spirit that is given to those who obey. And there is a spirit that works in the disobedient. There are two spirits, in the Bible very clearly told. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey more and more and more. And Jesus was filled without measure because his obedience was perfect. And then there is a spirit that works in the, and he doesn't come with horns and all. He comes like the Holy Spirit. He's cute. He speaks so softly. He looks like Joel Austin. understand that? Major, the major issue with putting out a fleece, issue people have or servants of God have it is because it is because of doubt and not of faith. If you look at verse 39. And Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. But let me speak just once more. Let me test. Let me test. I pray. Just once more with the fleece. Let me test once more. He's first time. God said, okay, let it be. But he's still not. It's not control. Still not. Why is not God mad with him? Psalm 103, verse 40. That's the reason God is not mad with us. For he knows our frame. Abigail, he remembers that we are. Memorize this. You see that? Your dad gets angry when he gets your sums wrong. What should you say? Lord, you should know my frame. Lord, you should know my frame. Remember that I am Dust. dust. Okay? Good one this okay? When you have a scriptural father, you have to reply with scripture. <laughs> the good one. But this is why God is so kind and merciful. He knows what we are. See, we look in the mirror and we look at our biceps and family pack family pack and six pack and all that. Okay? And we say, This is who I am. God says, I know you're free. Everybody two days in the gym, everybody's looking like that. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years in the gym, God says, I know your frame. Lord, you know my frame. What do you have to say with Mr. Atlas? He says, you are dust. And dust unto dust shall be. He knows. So he's, see, he's not like us parents, honestly. He's not like us parents. Okay? He's he's kind, he's compassionate. And second thing you need to remember, John chapter 15 and verse 16. Why he is so kind with Gideon? John fifteen verse sixteen. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You need to understand, God Gideon did not volunteer, God chose him. Okay. God chose him. God came and said called him mighty. Gideon didn't say, Lord, how come you're missing me? Don't you know? A lot of people are like that in the church. Lord, no, Pastor, can I be in this? Pastor, can I be in this? You were not chosen. You are not chosen. You were not chosen, no? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, one gift of the Holy Spirit left the church, started a church. <laughs> you were not chosen. Okay. In this case, you did not choose me. I chose you, no? So when God chooses somebody, you will look at God, whoever God has chosen in the Bible, you can see His patience with them. God. You will think, Lord, you made a mistake. God so I didn't make a mistake. See, Saul was chosen by people. Saul was not chosen by God. David was chosen by God. That's a difference. Saul was chosen by God, by man. They wanted somebody to be like the Gentile kings. Tall, handsome, broad-shouldered, everything. Any girl sitting here, who do you want to marry? Tall, like Saul. Like Saul. <laughs> <laughs> do you want a red-first, curly-haired boy like David? No. He smells of sheep other fellow smells of donkey, but that's okay, he's tall. (laughs) Please understand this. Gideon did not choose God. God chose Gideon. The apostles did not choose Jesus. Jesus chose them after an entire night in prayer, including Judas. It was not a mistake. It was the right choice. Okay. And when he chooses, Corinthians 1.27, We know it. Again, we have to go back to it. Who does he choose? 127. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. So he chooses two kinds of people. Foolish things of the world. He is not saying he calls the fools. No. Foolish things of this world. You know, you may have (laughs) let us say advanced degree in anything in this world. But you will put that aside before the word of God. And the world will not accept you. You have to. You have to see what you will go through in higher universities. If you speak, I remember the days when I had to speak up in forums and I said, uh, like, you know, talking about gender and this thing and you know, all that, women's movement and all. I said, So... Uh, I said, but the canon says so. Okay. And they didn't like the word immediately from the panel. Who says there is a canon? Who says there is a canon? And I just quietly said, when the law was given on minds, you know, whether you like it or not, a canon was set. Okay. Canon was set. That's why they hate Judeo-Christian ethos. They hate it. The world hates it. Most Christians hate it. See, Let's be honest about it. Most Christians want to use God. They don't want God to use them. That is what Gideon is, Gideon is struggling. He will struggle. Because if you want God to use you, it only comes from surrender. But if you want to use God, you don't have to surrender like the children of Israel. He gave them what they asked. He gave them what they asked. But it's a leanness into the soul. But if you don't see the state of your soul, how will you know your soul is lean? That is what the pandemic has shown. Suddenly you know what happens. You see, the whole issue is that you cannot be ready on the day disaster hits. Its entire life of faith is a day of preparation. When the day of evil comes, not if, will you be able to stand? Why is that certain things are happening and few people are standing when others are collapsing it's simply because all these years they heard but they were not prepared they did not learn the lessons they did not walk by faith they don't pay. and then when the crisis comes people just fall apart but the crisis was promised it was not if it was when it is not if you go to pray. It is when you go to pray. It is not if you fast. It is when you fast. You remember that incident in Mark, if I, to, you know, I go there, Mark chapter 9, when they were in the Mount of Transfiguration, Mount of Transfiguration, and Jesus came down. The disciples, others were over there. There was a boy who had a demonic spirit that was co- causing him to convulse and all that. When the disciples tried that, it became worse. They couldn't do it. And Jesus, what did Jesus do? Go. It left. He gave it back. And then when they came to him privately and asked a question, why couldn't we do it? You know what he said? This kind goes only with? Let me ask you this question. Did he pray? You see, at the point of crisis, you haven't put in your bank, you cannot withdraw what you don't have. You have a crisis. Oh, I have to, suddenly, bill has come. A child's fees has increased by 20,000 rupees. You look in the bank, you don't have money. Why? You didn't put money away. In the same way, if you do not have a lifestyle of fasting and praying, when the demonic comes, when you tell it to go, it's not going to go because you have nothing to pull out from. You have nothing to pull out from. He had resources stored up. Stored up. A lifestyle. He was not waiting for the demonic to come. This was his life. We are not waiting for the evil day to come. This is our life. It has been prophesied. Pandemic pestilences will come. It has been prophesied, but we are not looking at it. This is our lifestyle to build our life in the word, build our life in faith, build our life in fasting, build our life in prayer. And you know what? When the day of evil comes, you are able to withdraw. The problem is so many Christians, the day of evil has come and they realize they are bankrupt. They are bankrupt. They have nothing to pull out from. Pull out from. Yet for 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, by June 1st, 13 years, we have consistently preached and prepared people for a day like this. And those who learned know how to walk. Have to walk. Has to walk. So the question God is asking is, in your bank of your spirit, have you stored? That's an interesting part of Mark 9. He's saying to the disciples come to him and says, Lord, how come we couldn't cast it out? He said, you of your unbelieving generation, little faith. Then he looked at him and said, these kind go only with prayer and fasting. Yet, he didn't tell the father, bring him three days later, I will fast and I will pray and I will cast him out. He didn't say, he said, go. You know why? Because that was his life. He had a huge bank deposit of God's virtue in his life. Of grace in his life. So when the eventuality come, he didn't have to run. He didn't have to take a pause. He didn't have to run. And Lord, what should I do? You know what to do. You know why? Because you have been led. You have been led. This leading is the process. In the time of crisis, you don't Lord. I don't know what to do, Lord. You always know. Because you've been led little by little by little by little by little by little by led. You are being led. Even to be led is a discipline. God is not mad with us. God is not angry with us. God is not angry with us. Because God did not choose Gideon. Sorry, Gideon did not choose God. God chose Gideon. You know, God is patient because He picks what kind of people? The foolish and the weak. You know? Who are the foolish? It's not they don't have a degree, but they don't stand on it. It's still direct Prince selling the day the Lord told him, told him, put away all your psychology, everything, everything you learned. And he said, now onwards, when you counsel, you'll counsel from my word alone. From my word alone. Put everything. Because These are all Oxford graduates. They have learned much. Put everything away. Counsel from my word. This is what it says. Principle. Either the written word or the principle of the word. Go by that. And When you do it, in the world... In the world, Sanhedrin is sitting there. 70 people are sitting here. MD, DD, Divinity, everything is there. And three, two unlearned fishermen. Two unlearned fishermen standing before. You know what? They are foolish things and weak things of this world. And God confounded the wise. Confounded the wise. Confounded the wise. So I don't teach Shakespeare from here. If I ever use Shakespeare, it has to agree with the principle from the Word of God. I don't use Shakespeare. I don't use Shakespeare. I don't use literature. If ever an illustration is given, that illustration has to agree with the Word of God because you are standing only on the Word of God. You are not standing on the wisdom of this world. And when we do that before a worldly audience, You know what happens? The people who all come from the world, you are a weak thing. You are a weak thing. You are not a strong person. Because if you are a strong person, you have the strength of the flesh, the wisdom of the world, the name and the reputation of the world. And you look at that's what I said. Most of the people here today are not preaching from the word. They are motivational speakers. They're not preaching from, them. they don't have the courage to simply stand on the word of God and say, this is what is written, this is, this is, why do you want these seven day, thump, I mean, 40 inch or 100 inch huge screens all over your church and you don't put scripture at all? All that thing shows is the, the pastor moving up and down, up and down. It is, he is being projected. The word is not being projected. The word doesn't come up over there. I have asked in many churches, you got all this stuff. I tell them very gently because I'm a visiting preacher. I mean, itinerant preacher everywhere, but I tell them very gently. You know, it's just very s- simple software. You can get somebody to teach. Why don't you? In Jharkhand, when we used to go, you know what our team used to do? They used to take the projector and the screen, go from place to place, churches, when we are preaching, we put it up and put a scripture and people are all looking, ah, this is also possible. But they have used it only for dancing. You know? This is neutral. This doesn't have a life of its own. You can choose what this is going to do. Are you going to watch movies? Or I'm going to project the world. Are you going to entertain the people? Or are you going to train the people? It's our choice. And everybody sitting here has a choice. Because all these things are neutral. This is neutral. Headphone is neutral. These are all neutral things. It doesn't have a life of its own. You give life to it. And the day of trouble has come. Literally trouble has come. No? But when the day of trouble comes, what will you stand on? Can you stand on the promise? And it's only increase. For those who are walking by faith, it doesn't decrease. It didn't. Until a day comes when God decides He has proved you. You don't decide. Lord, I am ready. God says you are not ready. You don't say. No? Forty years in the wilderness. It was God who came and spoke to him. Moses. At 20, 20 years in the desert, he must have thought, I am ready. I haven't forgotten the vision. I don't know what thing is happening. Well, no, 40 years. 20 years in Laban, so it was God who spoke to Jacob. It's not Jacob crying, Lord, deliver me. No, Jacob said, arise and go, it's time up. Because God realized, you are ready. How are you ready? You are weak now. You are weak now. You are weak. And if God doesn't speak to you, or doesn't call you, doesn't choose you, simply because you are strong, You're still too strong for him. Let me tell you this. God has never, whenever he has picked a strong person, it has been a disaster. It has been a disaster like Saul or Samson. And Samson's last verses about Samson is that in his death, he killed more people than when he was alive. Right? What does it mean? When he was alive, he was strong. When he was dying, he was weak. In his weakness, he created more havoc among the Philistines than when he was strong. He was blind and he was weak. And it's in his weakness he's cried, once more Lord, once more. In his weakness, he was more powerful than all the years of his strength. One moment of weakness is more powerful in the hands of God than all the years of your strength. And God is desperately trying with his children in an hour like this to make us weak. We are still strong. Still strong. Still strong. You know what? Because of the urgency of the time and the hour, God bypasses us. And he finds somebody who is weak. And he says, you have chosen. Do you think there are any smarter people than Gideon in, in Israel? Of course. Lots of them. He himself makes this statement. In Israel, smallest tribe. In my tribe, the smallest clan. In my clan, smallest family. In my family, I am the smallest. That's the reason you are picked. Exactly the reason you are picked. Exactly the reason you are picked. Please, please understand this. This is how God is. God is incredibly patient with the vessels He has chosen. Luke 22 verse 32 and Mark 16 and verse 7. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brother. And what is he talking? I chose you, Peter. I chose you. I know you. You want to goof up big time. But you know what? I have prayed for you. I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And his faith did not fail because he came back. He came back. Judah's faith failed He never came back. Peter's faith did not fail him. He came back. He came back. Look at Mark chapter sixteen and verse seven. Go tell his disciples. And Peter. The angels said. Angels got a special distinct. Tell the women, go tell the disciples, and because he's the one who betrayed me. So he's very gentle. Very gentle. The others did not betray Jesus like Peter did. But all are chosen. He is also chosen. But this chosen one has betrayed him before a servant God also. So just tell him, I understand your feelings. You don't have the courage to look at my face. But I can. So tell Peter, I am going before you. You know why? Because you did not choose me. I chose you. You did not choose me. I chose you. John 21 verse 15. In John 21, post resurrection, Peter went fishing. Eight others went with him fishing. Eight of them died. Eight of the disciples are there now fishing. And when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, only ask Simon. He didn't ask the others. Only Simon. You know why? Because he's the one who has fallen most in that group. Not the others. What is he asking? Do you love me more than this? That's all the question he asks. Do you love me more than this? I'm not looking at all your failures. All of our failures are real and true. But one question God asks us. And if we don't have the right answer to that, there's nothing God can do. I'm telling you honestly, there's nothing God can do. Do you love me more than this? Why could David could be restored? Adulterer, murderer, liar, cheat, you call him, any name, he's that. But you know what? David loved him more than this. Not Saul. This is the key. The simple key. And he's it's, it's, it's looking at a weak man. A fallen man. And he's very kind and gentle with him. And you know what? He restores him. He restores him. Do you love me? And honestly, I have found that as a main issue with when you deal with believers. If they don't love God, it's very little you can tell them. And our major issue, I'm telling our major crisis is not a crisis of faith or a crisis of prayer or fasting or money or pandemic. Or A major crisis is that, you know what, we don't love God more than this. It's not that we don't love God. One well, that we don't we don't love God, we don't love God more than more than so God is patient with him God is when God is angry with Moses he's not angry with Moses because he's weak, he's angry with Moses because he's stubborn. look at exodus four thirteen and fourteen not because he's weak every sign he asked him extra also he showed him. How will, I know? How will I know? I showed him all that. But he said, oh my Lord, please send by the hands whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Not because he was weak. Because he was stubborn. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Okay. four excuses he made. That's not about his weakness. It was because he was stubborn. And his anger. And Gideon is not being stubborn. He says, I will go. <laughs> but I am not sure you, I think you made a mistake. Are you sure I am the guy? You're talking about this mighty man of valor and all. Are you sure this, I am that guy? I know you can deliver Israel, but I'm not sure that you can deliver Israel through my hand. Jesus did not get mad at Thomas. John chapter 20. Gentlemen who came to India and blessed us. Yeah, uh, John chapter 20 and verse 24 to 29. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came the first time. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He's saying, you know, look, 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 look. You all are hallucinating. It is not enough I see his hands. It can be painted also. I have to put my finger there. I saw very well clearly the nails go through his hands. It is not that I see red hands. I want to put my finger through. I saw the spear go into his side. I want to put his hand. Then only I will believe. So he's not even asking for a visible confirmation. He says I want a physical, I, I, do, I want to do a postmortem. Then only I will believe. We will get mad, right? (laughs) What happens to Jesus? After eight days, his disciples were again inside Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Is he mad at him? Think about me, your pastor. We are two pastors. Some of you, I don't trust you. We want to check your bank account. We want to have proof of your integrity. We will say, go find another church. No, Jesus. He said, you can put your into my bank account. I am the one who I said. You saw me peers? The same person. It's not a duplicate. It's not a paint job. This is real. He doesn't get mad. Doesn't get mad. Okay. What I am trying to say is that If you are obedient, but you struggle with yourself and not with God, God will go to extent to prove to you, you know what? I didn't make a mistake. You are the one I have chosen. I didn't make a mistake. Jesus is telling all his disciples, you know what? I spent the whole night in prayer. And my father, the spirit, told me very clearly, you are the ones I picked. And when you struggle with doubt about yourself, I will come out of my way to prove to you you are the one I have chosen. But, he says, but for others, he said to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. But if you can believe without these signs and all, you look into the word of God, you have the confirmation in your spirit, and you so, Lord, I believe. I believe. And these signs shall follow those who believe. They shall. Cast out demons. You have to believe. They shall speak in new tongues. You have to believe. They shall lay hands upon the sick. They shall be healed. You shall believe. Whether they get healed or not is not your problem. There may be hundred reasons why they don't get healed. The question is, will you believe and lay hands upon the sick? They may not be. See, we don't know what all blocks are there. But our whole issue is that, oh, if I lay hands on, they don't get healed, what will happen? You don't worry about that. Leave that to God. Leave that to God. Shall take snakes. They shall not harm you. Shall drink poison. It will not harm you. Now you don't have to go look for poison. But if it is given to you purposely, accidentally or injected, it shall not harm you. Shall not harm you. You have to believe. It shall not harm you. You know this guidance is not a small thing. To be led by God is not a small thing. When you obey God, you heard even in personal decisions. When you obey God, you need to trust God. It's like the children of Israel. I heard from God, we shall not. Uh, sorry, Daniel's three friends. If he wants to rescue, he can. But I know. This is what, like I said. Our convictions are not deep. That's the issue. I'll tell you before we go into prayer. Just one simple example. This was 20, years ago. I'd finished my mission with the underground church. I had to come back. But I was working in an institution. So you just cannot come back like that. Now in that institution, um, academic year finishes by end of December. And it is vacations and the academic year will end by end of February, March exams and then the new academic year begins. But December till February end is vacation. But my work in the school is over, meaning now it's study leave, students are in there, but my work with the church is over and I want to leave. I want to leave. As the Lord told me, go on the 6th of December. Because 6th is my elder daughter's birthday. I said, go. Surprise, sir. I said, okay. It worked out for me, meaning tickets were all done. And I go, October, I go, end of October, I tell my management, I am leaving on December 6th. Oh, they're very upset. Sir, don't go. Sir, don't go. Don't leave. Don't. I said, I'm resigning. They said don't resign. I said, I have to go. My work is over. I told you I have come only for two years. It's over. It's the private management, it's a government management, you know what, you know, rules kick in. So they suddenly say, sir, if you resign and leave on December 6th, one, you will lose your December salary, your January salary, your February salary, three months salary. Second, it will kick back into all your other benefits because you are leaving before the end of the year. Now, what do you do in a city? It's big money. And you're not coming back to a church or anything because you're on mission. The church didn't send you. The Lord sent you. Now you're thinking, Lord, I need this money when I go back because I don't know what I'm going to do when I go back because nothing is sure. Everything is this thing, you know. And so they tell me. So I said, uh, but absolutely clear I need to go on December 6th. So I said, it's okay, sir. I said, it's okay, sir. I need to go. Literally he had tears in his eyes, my principal, Buddhist, and he took it with great reluctance, Mr. James, I'm Sir James. You wouldn't call me Mr. Jesus. Sir James. I'm taking it. Two days later, you know the management, the guy who owns the whole thing, he never did it for anybody before me and after me. It is like Joshua stopping this son. these guys <laughs> okay. these are people who are big shots over there, ministers, sons, and all that. okay. He called me home for lunch. Nobody has eaten in his house. He called me for served me himself. Literally served me himself and gave me a big gift which my brother took to Scotland. Okay? Uh, and he said, sir, we are so sad that you are leaving. We thought you would be here and establish the department and all that. I said, yeah, but I need, to. I never told them what I had come here for. But you know what? On 5th, when I was leaving, they cancelled all the other stuff and gave you my December, my January, my February and all the benefits and said, take it sir and go. But when I put in my resignation, it was that I would lose it all. Lose it all. Okay. Sometimes you just have to step out. You know, God has told me, this is the day I'm going and if I have to lose, lose. Again, I gain, but one thing I'm sure. This is the day I am traveling, and it was worth it. My little baby had no clue at all when I landed at Bhubanpur Airport, and she looked at me. Ah, Papa came for my birthday. That was enough. Okay, started four in the morning and we said nine in the night or ten in the night. It was enough. Okay, it is. I mean, I made a whole decision actually because of my child (laughs) but i didn't realize my god loved my child more than i loved my child working at the background you know this is this is where you have to believe when you take a decision by faith you know you are heard from the lord and it is a decision that is right you you don't buckle under pressure you don't buckle under pressure. You can trust God will back you up. And when you, God is building that faith up with Gideon, he's okay. The interesting thing is that Gideon asked for two signs. After that, you can't ask. Test me in Deuteronomy 6.19 if I'm ready. Do not test the Lord as you did in Meribah and Massah and all that is said. And he said, please forgive me. I'm testing you once. And God said, okay. You know what? Now he's not asking you anything because he only asked for two, twice. Still he's not convinced. Inside, God knows that. So God says, you know what, now I will give you a third sign. <laughs> I will give you a sign, which you didn't ask for. Take your friend, that servant Pua, and go to that. Listen to what they are. That we will look at tomorrow. If only we know what the enemy thinks about us. If only we know how frightened the demonic are of us the Christ in us, our eyes would be different. If only we know how scared Satan and his hordes are of the church that believes. If only we heard their testimony, our eyes would be opened and we would be very courageous people, very courageous people, that we would realize they're just like Flies that can be swatted. Flies that can be swatted. If only we knew. This is where we have to believe. This is where we have to believe. And we are struggling with unbelief. We are struggling with doubt. Or we don't love the Lord at all. We are not interested. Like I said, if you don't love the Lord and you are not interested, God also lets you go. Are you getting the picture? As a close, I just, to give you a foretaste of tomorrow. It's a man in gatherings with a legion, a legion can be anything from 3000 to 7000. Let's be moderate. We not be conservative nor liberal. Conservative 3, liberal 7, in between 3,500. Demons he has. Jesus has cast them. You know what the demons say? Lord, have you come to torment us before? Do you know before they leave, they ask Jesus something? What did they ask Jesus? Can we go into? Do you know that even to get into a pig, they need to ask permission from Jesus? And we give this bow to all these demons. A demon, to get into a pig, needs permission from Jesus. Do you get the picture? The fly that comes into your house doesn't ask your permission. But the demon to get into a pig has, needs Jesus. That's what the father says. Not even a hair from your head falls without the father knowing. Everything in, on heaven and earth comes. It's held together the power of his word. That's why we do not fear this pandemic. We do not fear anything because we know if you're walking in obedience and in the will of God nothing can happen to you. And that's Jesus. You can't kill him. I will lay down my life and I will pick my life. And it should come to us too. You know what? You ain't going to kill me. I will go at my appointed time. I will lay down my life and I will pick it up on the other side. You know. And if pandemic is the doorway, so be it. If hanging is the doorway, so be it. If the bullet is the way, all day, whichever way it is fine, but you are not going to take it from me. You are not going to take it from me. Be surrendered to the will of God. Be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we shall not fear. We shall not fear. No? We shall not fear. Shall we pray?